And everybody, we'll call, call to order the February 9th, 2023 Measure A Community Oversight Committee meeting. Present, we have Dan Russell, Pat O'Brien, Robert Steinberg, and your vice chair acting as chair today, Jonathan Cathrine. <laughs> uh, Max, I'll hand it over to you. Or think, excuse me, maybe I yeah. should be welcoming. Yeah, yeah, you're still, you're still going. <laughs> so, okay, no new committee members. So item number two, uh, no new committee members. We do have a vacancy. Um, reach out to the county team and Max if you're interested. Um, and then we are looking to approve the meeting minutes from November 10th. Are there any questions of the committee members? Any comments or questions? Not for me. Um, can we have a, a motion to approve the minutes? May I make the motion to approve the minutes? Second. Any public comment? Uh, there's no public, I believe, in the chamber. It's our committee and county staff. Uh, no public comment in the chamber, but we'll go online to Zoom. Any public comment online? Vice Chair Catherine, there are no speakers in the queue. Thank you. So we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Uh, that's unanimous. Uh, item number four is general public comment on any items not already on the agenda. It looks like no public comment in the chamber. Is there any staff that would like to speak? <laughs> no? We will go online. Any public comment online? Vice Chair Catherine, there are no speakers in the queue. Thank you. Uh, we will close public comment and move on to item number five, the, the director's report. Take it away, Max. Thank you, uh, committee members. Max Corton, director of Marin County Parks. And I'll just have a quick report here. Um, you know, excitingly, we got a lot of rain at the end of December and early January. And I'm pleased to report that our parks and open space preserves uh, fared the rain pretty well. Uh, you know, I think one of the things, a couple of things that we noticed is that you know, the benefit of a lot of Measure A work was our road and trail system. So, you know, we're able to address our fire roads and trails to make them um, better able to handle runoff and to have less erosion. So, you know, really we saw far less issues than we were expecting. The other big benefit is that uh, with our vegetation management work, we're able to address a lot of the hazard trees in our parks. So we didn't have uh, any closures of our parks uh, during the storms. We had a lot. We certainly had trees down and trails out in the open space preserves, but not as many in the developed park areas, which was great. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, a couple sort of larger project updates. Uh, I think your, your committee has gotten updates uh, over time on the planning for the Memorial Trail project. It's... Uh, if those windows were open, you could see it right out there behind Terra Linda High School. It's a new trail project that um, you know, reduces the environmental impact, improves sustainability and access on some trails uh, out there. And one thing that's really neat about it, it provides an opportunity for the high school, for the students who uh, are in the cross country team or the mountain bike team to access the preserves uh, from the high school. Um, and the work will start in that in the next month or so. And then um, 
We're currently in the comment, public comment period for uh, a restoration and trail improvement project at Roy's Redwoods Preserve. Um, for people who are interested, they can go online and provide comments and read more about the project. And then um, we are nearing the completion of an initial study and in what would be a comment period for our Bolinas Lagoon North End uh, restoration sea level rise adaptation project. So uh, that should be um, uh, brought to the public for comment in the next few months. Uh, and that concludes my report. Great, thank you. And that's um, information only. So we will move on to item number six. Oh, wait, you, oh I'm yeah. sorry, sorry. Uh, public comment. Any public comment in the chambers on that item? And seeing none, any public comment online on the Can director's I report? Catherine? There are no speakers in the queue. Thank you. Any comment uh, by any of the committee members? One question. Where is Red, uh, Roy's Red? You got to push your, push your button there. There you go. Yeah. Where is Roy's Redwoods? It's, uh, so Roy's Redwoods is in the San Geronimo Valley, and so it's, uh, you can access it. Uh, there's a couple different access points, but the main one is off Nicasio Valley Road there, just... Uh, north of where it hits Sir Francis Drake. There's just parking along the shoulder. Worth a trip out on there. The, on the east side <laughs> of the road. What is the intersection? So uh, just north of where uh, Nicasio Valley Road hits Sir Francis Drake. Good, thank you. Okay. Clear. Yeah. Great, any other comment from the committee members? I have a couple. Go ahead. Push hard. On the, where it says push. There you go. All right. Uh, bikes on the trails. I, I notice they're getting bigger and bigger with batteries and big tires. They look a lot more like a motorcycle than a bike. And just uh, kinetic energy, 25 miles an hour, foot traffic and everything in that. I would think it behoves the county to have a policy in place because this is uh, risk management and it's going to come up. So. Do we have anything going or we were working on it? <laughs> yes, yes, we have. There's a, a whole section of our code that relates to bicycles on, on trails and also e-bikes like you mentioned. So, uh, and uh, I'll briefly describe it, but I'm happy to, to talk about it in greater detail. But the, you know, essentially- As long as it's on the radar, that's all I'm asking. Okay, yes, Thank you. yes. Any other comment from the committee? Okay, we'll move on to number six, uh, review committee bylaws with Kevin Wright. Hello, committee. Thank you, Chair. Every year we bring uh, a committee item that discusses the bylaws to you just to refresh the committee on what their roles are. And so today, basically, you have the bylaws in front of you. They're basically the rules for this committee passed by the Board of Supervisors originally when this committee was formed, I think, way back in 2013. And now we have a new measure that was passed by voters this last June. And so in that new ordinance, Ordinance 3760, there's actually language that continues this committee um, from its original role back when it was Ordinance 3586. And so um, basically your committee has three key roles. One is to review annual expenditures to ensure they comply with the plan 
and the plan is capitalized because it means the expenditure plan that was attached to the ordinance when voters approved it. So basically, the way that we spend and budget and use Measure A money is according to this detailed plan that was included when voters reviewed the information and voted yes or no. Um, so that's the first piece. The second piece is to um, basically work annually with uh, our auditors to ensure that um, the expenditures are uh, administered correctly. And so you'll see examples of that today where we'll have um, two different auditors uh, speak to you about their work to review annual expenditures. So that's part of the oversight process. The third you also hear about today is the creation of an annual report. So each year, our wonderful communications team and staff get together and create an annual report that was actually originally uh, formulated by this committee. Uh, and so basically, they create a new report that reports on expenditures, but also some of the key projects we've been working on with Measure A funding. And uh, your committee is uh, invited to participate. And actually, there's an agenda item later on this agenda where we can uh, accept a couple of volunteers, and we'll invite you to meetings and stuff to participate in the process. Uh, kind of back in our offices throughout the year. So that's basically it. I do want to acknowledge that Vice Chair Catherine um, brought up a really good point, which is that um, while we've been updating a lot of different documents post-election this time around, we actually haven't revisited the bylaws in detail. So um, between now and November, we'll go back through the bylaws and just make sure that ordinance numbers and stuff like that are cleaned up if they need to be. So thank you. Great, thank you. Um, Let's open it for public comment. Um, anybody in the chambers? Seeing none, we'll move online. Anybody online? Vice Chair Catherine, there are no speakers in the queue. Great, thank you. And any of the committee members? No? No public comment, no committee comment. Thank you, Kevin. We'll move on to item number seven, an update on Measure A re-implementation. Thank you, Thanks. committee members. Um, I will be relatively brief in describing this because I think I also gave an update at our last meeting. Um, but uh, just to kind of go back over this because it's you know important for your committee, uh, we brought an initial budget that was approved by the board in June um, for Measure A of 2022 that um, for the 2022-2023 fiscal year that basically only programmed fund balance from the old measure, because we weren't sure at that point whether the new measure was going to pass. And actually, it's something, kind I mean, I think this stuff's cool, but something that's kind of cool in the uh, compliance audit that you'll see is that over the last couple of years, we built up a fund balance in, the, in our 65% of the Measure A funds. And part of that was to put to use during this time where we weren't sure if the measure was going to be successful or not. Um, and so uh, that's how our budget started. Then once the measure was passed by voters in the June election, we went back to the board to uh, approve, for the board to approve uh, uh, adjusted measure to program the revenue that we we're expecting to bring in. We started bringing in revenue in October of 2022, and so now we're in that time. And of course, now we're building the budget for next fiscal year, which uh, Chris will speak to uh, towards the end of the meeting. But I just wanted to sort of provide uh, that update. You know, the other thing that we're working on with the re-implementation is the grant agreements. We're bringing all the grant agreements for the cities and towns to our board. So that happens at the beginning of the measure, also with the Resource Conservation District. 
um, yeah, that was approved by the board. Um, and then we're also developing the sustainable ag grant program, which is new. And Kevin's gonna speak to that as a separate item later on in the meeting. And that concludes my presentation. Happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Um, I have yes, one question. committee members. Let's start with uh, committee member O'Brien, please. Uh, just, uh, thank you, Max. Just a comment. Uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, really good that uh, Measure A funding ran out prior to the election. Uh, and uh, at one time, there was a, a discussion about going uh, to uh, renew it or extend the measure, the election prior. But because of the pandemic and a lot of other issues, it had to be postponed. Therefore, Max and the team had to, um, you know, kind of put some chips on the table, so to speak. And uh, you know, and 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 save some money for kind of a dry period financing to uh, make that bridge, and and hoping that uh, and and it proved quite successful that the measure would pass, um, and a substantial amount of uh, staff really uh, for the county and uh, you know and, and uh, is uh, financed uh, through Measure A, so it's really a key component. It's not an extra but a key component of the overall operation. Uh, so uh, hats off to staff to, uh, you know, save money and be prudent about uh, uh, helping save staff uh, jobs and, uh, and, and work on a smooth transition. Also, uh, the distribution for local agencies or cities, counties, and I know we talked about reclamation districts, but also the special districts in the county there are some rec and park districts that are also eligible for the grant funding. Thank you. Uh, committee member Russell. Yeah, this is a motion. But, uh, oh, you gotta just push it hard. There you there, go. It there works. You go. Okay, um, just, it's, I don't know what order to put this in, but if I was to write about carbon uh, sequestering and we have a large 16,000 acres, I understand, as parks and everything, and there's opportunities to sell credits as if, if that was coordinated in. I just did a rough calculation. It could work out to $100,000 in five years. It's not a big thing in that, but every little bit counts, right? So who would I talk to or write, write a letter to? Gosh, I'm happy to follow up with you afterwards. There's a, there is a carbon sequestration working group that's especially looking at... Um, the use of, so as both private homeowners do fuels reduction work on their land and tree work, but also public agencies, if any of that material is removed, you know, what happens to it and how can we sequester as much of that, the carbon that's in that woody material as possible. Um, the Resource Conservation District is leading that effort, but also working with, um, you know, uh, haulers, compost, uh, facility, other, you know, other partners and trying to figure out outstanding land managers. Um, yeah. But happy never, to you connect. never hear about these things. I mean, maybe we do, but they're never in the news or anything. Oh, no, this is the opportunity <laughs> to talk about them. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I'll, I'll add, too, I think, you know, a takeaway for me of sort of we're starting the new term of Measure A or the new implementation is that it did change a little bit. Um, it's pretty similar and 
I can't speak to it as well as any of you could, but um, it, it changed a little bit, so we're sort of fine-tuning some of the programs. The budgeting, I'm sure, is happening behind the scenes um, just to kind of perfect how we're implementing the program for the county. So I'll turn it now to public comment. Anybody in the chambers? And seeing none, anyone online for public comment? Commissioner Catherine, there are no speakers in the queue. Thank you. So that will conclude item number seven, and we'll move to item number eight. And this is an action item, and it's the presentation of the fiscal year 2021-2022 compliance audit by Matesh of Batawi and Associates. Welcome. Thank you, Mr. Chair, uh, members of committee. So I have a short uh, presentation uh, to go over our audit and uh, a few slides on, I guess, the trends and, and such. So maybe I'll get started. But uh, if you go to the next slide, please. Um, one more slide. Uh, so I'll go over the engagement team, our deliverables and scope of the audit. Uh, compliance risks and our audit approach to address those risks. The auditor's report. Uh, required communications uh, that we need to make as the auditors, and then I'll leave some time at the end for any questions or anything you'd like to discuss. Uh, next slide, please. Maybe I'll pull one of these. Yeah, that might be easier. So in terms of our engagement team, uh, next slide, please. Uh, so I was the engagement partner, and I had one senior working with me, Edward Pasowski, and we had one staff uh, doing our tests, which was Fatma Salman. And um, we have someone who's outside of the engagement team, who's our engagement quality control reviewer. And they just look at our work and the report to see if we uh, follow the auditing standards and if they have any, I guess, recommendations or improvements to our work. Otherwise, they're not necessarily considered part of the engagement team. Uh, next slide, please. In terms of deliverables and scope of the audit, so we've issued, I guess, three separate reports, which are the first, um, I guess, first few pages prior to the financial schedule in our audit report. Uh, the first is a uh, opinion on compliance, where we actually opine on uh, direct and material compliance requirements of Measure A. And the second is an internal control report on um, and compliance with Measure A, which is internal controls relating to the financials uh, schedule that accompanies the report. And uh, the last is a report on the actual schedule of revenues and expenditures of Measure A, um, which just has the re revenues, annual revenues and expenditures that have been are collected and spent during the year. Go to the next schedule. I might follow it on the slide. And in terms of our audit approach and compliance risks, so our audit approach is done in various stages, the first being the planning uh, stage where we review the prior report, we look at prior working papers, we re-review the ordinance and the expenditure plan uh, to just get re-familiarized with it. Uh, we do our risk assessment, which includes um, identifying 
and updating our understanding of risks of material non-compliance. Uh, risks of material non-compliance are just brainstorming, identifying what could go wrong, what could cause a, a material non-compliance. And uh, we interview uh, staff at the county who are responsible for collecting and spending uh, Measure A funds. And we review the implementation of controls that staff have implemented uh, to address compliance risks. So, for example, payroll charges are reviewed and approved by supervisors. Invoices that are charged to the program, expenditures that have been charged have been reviewed. Uh, such and those things we re we, test, we look at a sample of expenditures and verify those controls are also in place. And then also we test compliance. So we uh, I think the subtitles may be covering it, but the in, in, in short, we're just looking at those various payroll charges and uh, uh, check disbursements and verifying that those are Measure A related for Measure A purposes. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, in terms of compliance risks, so as I mentioned, these are just uh, maybe not a complete listing, but probably just uh, an example of the most significant risks that we've identified and addressed as part of our audits. So. Firstly, the Measure A revenues may not be recorded in the correct place. So if the Measure A revenues themselves have been recorded in another fund or another org code, then you wouldn't be spending them for what you're supposed to be spending them, even though the expenditures in that fund are all for that purpose. Uh, secondly, the allocation may be incorrect. So the ordinance specifies different percentages for how much of Measure A can be used for different purposes. So. As part of our revenue testing, we verify 65%, 35%, and 15% have been deposited accordingly. Um, the expenditures themselves may not be allowable, so we test that. And there is a earmark as to how much um, expenditures can be incurred for administrative costs. So as part of our testing, we do a review of the administrative cost charge and making sure that so far they have not exceeded um, the, the limit. Um, it is a bit of an interesting earmark because um, it doesn't necessarily mean that your expenditures have to be per, have to be that percentage of your total expenditures. However, it states that uh, so much of the funds received cannot be spent on that purpose. So we did change our approach slightly this year where instead of looking at the administrative expenditures as a percentage of total expenditures, we looked at it more as you know, what were the allowable amounts that can be spent on administrative expense based on the total amount of revenue collected so far, and then looking at uh, from inception to date how much has been spent on administrative costs. So, um, so far there's no, I guess uh, there's no issue there. Um, going on to the next slide, um, one more slide. And so in terms of our auditor's report, so we've issued an unmodified opinion on all three reports. Uh, what an unmodified opinion means is that it's also referred to as a clean opinion, just means uh, we, don't have, we didn't find any material non-compliance or material misstatements on the schedule of Measure A. Um, our audit was performed in accordance with generally accepted auditing standards and also in accordance with government auditing standards. Uh, generally accepted auditing standards are the rules set um, by the ICPA on how we're supposed to be conducting our audit. They specify how we're supposed to specify materiality, how are we supposed to do our documentation, sampling, and so forth, and how to do a compliance audit um, as well. 
government auditing standards are supplemental uh, requirements, so they they require uh, documentation and reporting on abuse, fraud, and a variety of other things. So uh, those are just supplemental requirements. Um, we we believe that uh, the county has complied with Measure A in all material respects. Um, we don't necessarily give an opinion on internal control of our compliance. So an internal, um, an opinion on internal control over compliance would require um, actual testing of internal controls, which is not something we've done. It's not a requirement in accordance with those standards. Um, however, by doing our walkthroughs, we didn't identify anything uh, that would be considered to be a material weakness uh, in internal control, which is something we are required to report. And um, I don't know what that last bullet point is, but I believe that the last bullet point was just um, that the schedule is fairly stated in, um, in, in, in material. Uh, it's materially fairly stated. We're going on to the next slide. Um, one more slide. So here is just a slide um, kind of showing you from inception to date uh, how many revenues and expenditures and what was your uh, fund balance or unspent proceeds for Measure A over the past, uh, I guess, how many years is that? Yes, about eight years. And um, so you can see that in terms of uh, revenues have been quite stable. Um, your expenditures fluctuate based on timing of when you have projects and when you have enough funds for big acquisitions. So for this year, it was on the lower end, but I believe that's because um, pending passage of the new measure, that's when you'll start to uh, incur more expenditures. So in the coming, in this year, you did accumulate uh, more uh, fund balance, but otherwise, nothing else I wanted to mention here. Going on to the next slide, um, this is a slide just looking at the parks and open space program. So this is only looking at that 65%. And um, you can see here again, the revenues are constant, um, and then also your expenditures. This year were lower or approximate prior year, and also there was an increase in your available fund balance. And I think the trend is quite similar for the next slide. Um, I think your farmland and preservation program, uh, this is a program where your expenditures, I think, rely on accumulated uh, fund balance where you have to make some large acquisitions. They, they require that accumulated cash before you, you go for it. So uh, there wasn't much activity last year, um, but if you go to the next slide, I think this is your uh, city, town, and applicable special district program. And, and this is one where I guess you, you make disbursements as, your, um, as these agencies submit their grant uh, applications and submit the required paperwork, and then the county just disperses the funds. So. In this case, you can see that uh, the funds have actually been almost spent in full as they are being spent actually by the other agencies themselves. And uh, going to the next slide, um, this is the expenditures inception to date um, as to how much has been spent and where it's been spent for which programs. So uh, parks and open space has the most amount of expenditures out of the total. Uh, farmland preservation uh, has about 15%, and then uh, city, town, and special district has about 18%. Farm and special pre uh, farmland preservation 
even though it's um, supposed to be allocated 35%, there's still 15% in expenditures, but that's why you have that un unspent balance there. Um, going on to the next slide, uh, this is a slide demonstrating the expenditures by uh, main function or category of uh, nature of the expenditure rather than by program. And uh, you can see that, I guess, here, majority of the expenditures have been uh, spent on uh, services and supplies. 34% has been spent on personal costs. 14% uh, has been spent on acquisition <coughs> of land or easements. And 6% uh, has been spent on other costs, which includes administrative costs. That 6% is, is inclusive of other costs in addition to administrative costs. So maybe in the future I'll, I'll break it out to actually split it, but the 6% isn't necessarily um, just that portion that's limited uh, by the EMR. So that's why it's uh, above 5%. Uh, to the next slide, uh, one more slide, please. In terms of required communications, so um, this is just a slide where we are, I guess, clarifying our responsibility as the auditors and also management's responsibilities. So especially when we put together uh, the full report, um, which is more, I guess, common when we put together financial statements rather than a compliance audit, but it often gets misconstrued or confused as to whose document is that, uh, and it's often interpreted that this is the auditor's report, and uh, the only things that are the auditor's report actually are just the, the reports that we issue, which are the opinions. And so our responsibility as the auditors are just to opine on that financial schedule and opine on compliance and report to the committee the results of the audit and significant findings. And um, management are responsible actually for, um, I guess, the actual compliance of Measure A, developing that financial schedule, uh, putting in place internal controls of our compliance and the financial schedule, and reporting to us any matter that we need to be aware of as part of the audit. Um, and they are also responsible for um, taking corrective action when we have findings. If you go to the, the next slide, uh, a very important responsibility of ours as the auditors is independence, uh, which is why you don't have uh, the county's uh, controller's office or internal audit doing the, the audit. You have someone external. And so we uh, maintain our independence by complying with rules set by the state board and the AICPA. Uh, rules would require, um, not require, but um, this quite lengthy set of rules, but uh, examples are we're not allowed to act as management, so we do not prepare transactions and uh, post transactions as part of management. We don't make management decisions. We don't serve as the, the county board or uh, oversight committee, and we don't uh, partake in any type of um, activities where we may be auditing our own work, so to speak. Um, so just examples, they're quite lengthy, but as part of our uh, internal procedures, we also pass a list of clients to every one of our staff, and they are supposed to let us know if they have any potential conflicts, which we don't have any. If we did, we wouldn't um, involve those staff in our audit. Um, in terms of timing of the audit, uh, the audit was performed in accordance with our engagement letter. Um, going on to the next slide. Uh, please. So we had no significant adjustments or past entries. 
Uh, no difficulties were encountered during the audit. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, we didn't have any disagreements with management and no material weaknesses were identified. Next slide, please. Um, as part of the audit, we obtain a representation letter from management. The representation letter is management stating to us that whatever they provided to us for the audit was valid and complete and there wasn't anything else that we need to be aware of before we finalize our audit report. Uh, so it's just a matter of our paperwork to make sure that we know all the facts before we issue our report. Uh, we haven't become aware of any fraud or illegal acts as part of our audit. Uh, next slide, please. And I think that's it. So if, I'm ha if they have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. I know the last few slides are pretty, a bit dry, but just um, I need to probably summarize them in a better way in the future. But, um, that, that was great, thank you. Thank you very much for your report. Um, any comments from the committee members? I thought it was an excellent report. Sir, sir I have some specific uh, questions. Um, and I ask them because this is a public meeting and I'd like uh, my questions to be answered. So the public at large, the lay person, can kind of get an idea in bite-sized chunks, exactly what you do. So I know overview what you did, but I don't want some tangible examples. So if somebody were to say, oh yeah, there's an oversight committee, they're checking in on this and that, they know what this and that is. Get it? So first question has to do with the uh, engagement team. You mentioned there are three, three members of the engagement team and a fourth non-member, is that correct? That's correct. Did the fourth non-member who was sort of overseeing your work put in writing his evaluation of your work? How do we know what his thoughts were? Uh, that would be documented in our audit file mm -hmm. as, uh, as, as it's more of an internal communication that the file is ready for review and we get it in a verbal or email internally. It's not necessarily, um, I guess, something that we include in our audit report exactly. So it's, it's something once the audit file is complete. So essentially you're saying, trust us. He said we did a good job. Right, right. If there was something that they disagreed on, yeah. uh, they would mention to us and require correction before we could issue our good report. Good enough, right. good enough. Um, Another question, if I may. Sure, go ahead. Um, how do you judge whether Measure A revenues are segregated correctly? Give me a tangible example of how that's, how you look at, how you, how you analyze that. So the state, uh, luckily, they publish uh, an, a report on their website uh, that uh, documents how much monies were uh, distributed to each agency for different uh, measures. So we download that report from the state's website and we filter it for all the disbursements that were made uh, for the fiscal year 2022 uh, for this year. And then we multiply that amount by the various allocation percentages, 65%, uh, 35%, and 15% and then compare our recalculated amounts to the amounts in the county's general ledger and match them up. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, 
with cities and towns and special districts, revenues and expenditures are pretty much in line. However, with farmlands, open space, I'm not talking about parks, I'm talking about farmlands, we have a great many more revenues than we have expenditures. I assume that's like the bank account has more money than, you know, the bank account has a lot of money, right? A lot of money in the checking account. Who ever sees that? Who sees that the county gets a decent return on that money while it's waiting to be spent? I mean, in terms of the, the um, interest allocation? Sure, sure, yeah. I would say that it's, it's responsibility of management to, to verify that. Um, in terms of, much, we don't necessarily look at that allocation of internal interest earnings because uh, we don't necessarily consider it to be a material component in the, in the financial schedule, but it is supposed to be allocated. However, because it's so, so disparate, the difference between expenditures and revenues is so right. great with farms, I would have thought that would be something that would perk your interest. Right, right. I mean, we do question some why there were no expenditures or what's, from my understanding, is that the, the expenditures are not necessarily as planned as with the other two programs because you do have to, to make an acquisition of that size. It's something that requires accumulation of monies in the beginning prior to that large acquisition. So that's why it's not necessarily that you have frequent expenditures every year. I understand that. Maybe I could speak to your questions sure. as well. So I think what I'm hearing, I think, are sort of two questions. One is <clears throat> why why haven't there been expenditures in the farmland program for the last three years? That, tell me, I mean, I think I understand it, but for the record, let's hear it. And, and then I think your other question is what happens to the money when it's not being spent and how do we make sure it's stewarded in the appropriate fashion? So <clears throat> to the first question, the farmland program, like unlike the, the county parks and open space program where we as staff spend that money, the farmland program is a grant program. So we don't have direct expenditures. We, are, we have a grant program where we wait for individual organizations to submit grants and then evaluate those grants and recommend them to the board. We, we didn't have any grant submittals during those last three years. And you know a large part of that is that uh, MALT is the organization that was applying for most of the grants and they were going through some organizational changes, so they didn't submit any grants during that time. We did get one in this current fiscal year, so we've expended some of that fund since then. We're expecting more uh, in the near future, but you know, to give you a little background of sort of what was going on in that area. And then um, Mina's here, who's our uh, director of finance for the county, and I'm sure she could speak to like what happens to county funds when they're uh, when when they're not being spent? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mina. Hi, I'm Mina Martinovich. I am the director of finance, uh, ex officio uh, auditor, controller, treasurer, tax collector, public administrator. And our office is responsible um, in the safeguarding of the county pool 
So that involves all funds uh, in the county, uh, as well as participants in the county pool. We are responsible for uh, portioning interest. Interest is based off of a fund's average daily cash balance. We apportion interest on a quarterly basis. So in instances of uh, Measure A fund and the components that belong to farmland preservation, the average daily cash balance that is maintained earns interest. Um, based off of its average daily cash balance, it's apportioned quarterly. Now, depending upon how the, um, how the market is doing at that time will determine in any given year or any given quarter how much interest is apportioned. So in 2021, interest was pretty good. In 2022, interest wasn't as good. Um, and so, uh, but nevertheless, if, if you maintain positive cash balance, you're earning interest. Um, and if you, uh, if you maintain low cash balances, you're not earning as much interest. Sometimes we see um, some cash balances that have negative cash balance and then, then they have to pay interest fees. Um, but we don't see that as the case for our farmland preservation measure A funds. Could you be more precise as to, in the last year, what the interest was, more or less? It, it really depends. Um, we have available on our public-facing website monthly investment reports that um, are free for the public to review, but uh, we provide annual and monthly reports that show uh, investment activity, um, as well as our Fitch ratings. Um, and then we also, let's see, we don't have available yet our annual financial statements for fiscal year 22. But if you go onto our public-facing website, Department of Finance, our Treasury Division, you'll find a plethora of information specific to our county investment pool and our banking and investment activities. You have a question, too. Yeah, if you have uh, trouble finding it, let me know. I can help. The, uh, as interest is accumulated in uh, Measure A accounts, is that... You say uh, when the interest is accumulated, is that uh, programmed back into Measure A, or is that uh, separated out into a general county interest fund? I mean, ultimately, every measure provision would have explicit provisions if there is something specific to do with interest earn. But usually, when the provisions are absent to that, it goes back to the measure of which that fund was created. So in this instance, any interest earned within Measure A goes to Measure A. Any other questions? Okay, thank you. One more question. So this is, you do an annual audit, is that correct? Yes. Do you change your testing and methods from year to year, or are they basically routine? You use the same, you grind out the same testing and methods each year. I mean, other than the uh, change I made, uh, re discussed regarding the administrative cost testing this year, we generally will uh, do similar tests each year. It is S similar or the same? Do you vary it? It varies. Uh, the varies, the procedures themselves don't necessarily change because Payroll costs are tested the same. Uh, mm -hmm. Effect disbursements are tested the same. We may look at different accounts each year. So we do focus on material expenditure accounts. 
So we do look at sometimes we do sample from smaller accounts, but because of the the nature of the audit, that it's not necessarily a very uh, wide in range, and we kind of look at each significant account, uh, we don't necessarily, I guess, have that uh, bandwidth of doing a lot of different types of procedures and completely changing our audit approach each year. So it's it's we look we look at it to see what can we do better, what can we change. But for the most part, we get to that same, you know, that the things that we need to address and which are the most material. Uh, items for the compliance and, and test those directly. But uh, we do kind of do that brainstorming each year when you do our planning for the audit. My, my comment is that it's just a question of accuracy and honesty to check a system. Even though you may use the same procedures, you may want to vary some of the, um, some of the methods within those procedures from year to year. If it's cookie cake from year to year to year, uh, people have it that can be abused. That's my comment. I mean, it's something that we do as part of the audit is the brainstorming, which is a requirement by the audit standards, just because it's not necessarily intentional or anything that you get used to doing the same procedures. There's a confirmation bias that's, that you can get to where they're just doing the same things over and over. You don't, um, so we also involve the engagement team and brainstorm what everyone's uh, ideas may be as to what could cause a, a an error or misstatement or non-compliance, and it can bring a fresh view of you know something else that we should be doing, which is why we did change our methodology in looking at the administrative cost this year, which was just something where someone brought up that, well, does it make sense to really look at uh, administrative costs as a percentage of total expenditures when if if in one year the expenditures are much lower and they had the same amount of administrative costs but the revenues were the same, uh, then they may be, it may, our calculation will show that they're out of compliance, but actually they were in compliance because it's, it's supposed to be based on the revenues. So, so we do that exercise and we try as much to see what we can do differently, but uh, I think our bandwidth is also a bit limited um, due to the nature of and kind of narrow scope of the audit already that it is. Thank you. I just also mentioned, like, if you're interested in sort of digging deep around the audit, item 11 also is to identify committee members who are interested in joining a subcommittee to volunteer to participate in uh, annual audit and compliance uh, meetings. So it's another opportunity. So I've hooked myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got a volunteer. <laughs> uh, I, I have one question if you're finished. Uh, so how do you define uh, major deviation? I think I heard you use that word a few times. What is, what is major considered? Major, right. I mean, we, as a, I guess in short, we use a threshold, which is a guideline. So we generally calculate our materiality based on a percentage of total revenues or expenditures, generally 3% or 4%. However, we do need to look at any time we do have a misstatement or a non-compliance and ask ourselves whether this would be important to the the user of the report. So it's, it's that dollar threshold is supposed to be a guideline of whether something is material or not, but if we find uh, an error in, you know, who charged payroll to the program and we find that this person is not supposed to be charging their cost to the program 
And even though we only tested maybe one pay period, we understand it's gonna happen for the whole pay period. So we do evaluate things like that to see if it's something that we need to mention it regardless of how much the dollar amount is, is or is not. And also as part of those um, errors, we need to kind of identify what was the cause and how did it happen. And then we would then evaluate whether there's an internal control issue as well. But it's a judgment call whether we, we feel that something is material, like, like um, Board Member Stein, Steinberg mentioned, whether interest allocation is, is a material item. In, in dollar-wise, this past year, we didn't feel it was a material thing, but maybe in the future, we would consider it as something we may uh, look at as well, because that, that can be a, a risk factor. It's a little objective in the sense that if it's three or 4%, you start to look at it, and then it's subjective that then you look at it and you determine whether you think that there's some sort of issue or it just, some things just may not really be an issue even at that level. Yeah, I mean, it's our opinion is um, provides, I guess that's one thing I should mention is our, our opinion provides for reasonable assurance on measure A compliance uh, versus absolute assurance. So our audit is really focused on what would cause material non-compliance. And so we don't look at every single uh, potential non-compliance that could occur. Uh, we have to define what is a material non-compliance, uh, which can, as we have mentioned, it could be dollar or it could be um, subjective. Um, so it's, so it's, yeah, it, it, it could depend on, on who's looking at the report and who's looking at the numbers, but uh, generally we have a good idea of what, what uh, the board and others are interested in. Great, thank you. Um, are there any other comments by the committee members? Questions or comments? If none, we'll go to public comment. Anybody in the chambers for public comment? And seeing none, we'll go online. Anybody online for public comment? Vice Chair Catherine, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, thank you. That's the end of that item, and we'll move on. Uh, sorry, no, we have to take action. Um, so we are moving then to recommend, correct me if I'm wrong, recommend to the Marin County Board of Supervisors that it accept the uh, subrecipient audit for fiscal year 2021-2022. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Close. Uh, <laughs> recommending to the Board of Supervisors that it accept the 2021-2022 compliance audit. Do I have a motion? Motion to accept. Uh, motion by committee member, member Steinberg and seconded by committee member O'Brien. All in favor? Aye. Uh, Aye. Anyone against? And that uh, is um, positively moved by the committee, for lack of a better term. Thank you. Thank you. So we're moving on. Thank you, Mitesh. Sure. Thank, Thank you for you your great present presentation. Uh, we're, we'll move on to item number nine, and this is the 2021-2022 subrecipient audit, and Michelle Camacho is presenting. Welcome. All right. Good afternoon, committee members. Perfect. I am going to be going over um, the subrecipient compliance audit for fiscal year 
I apologize. Oh, forgot. Um, I'm Michelle Camacho. I'm the internal audit manager uh, in the internal audit division within the County of Marin. Um, and I'm going to be presenting on the subrecipient compliance audit for fiscal year 2021-2022, uh, which is runs from July 1st, uh, 2021 to June 30th, 2022. Um, two slides, please. The compliance audit report begins with an executive summary and goes over the background of Measure A. Um, as has already been mentioned earlier in this meeting, the prior measure um, has sun sunset, uh, has ended. However, the audit engagement that we are reviewing uh, is per the old measure because, uh, or the ordinance um, 3586, uh, because of the time frame. So the old measure was end dated um, in April of 2022. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and the audit period goes from July 1st, 2021 to June 30th, 2022. Um, within that, we note that there are some changes, but the percentages that we're looking at um, within the background summary are the 65% for the parks and open spaces, the 20% for the farmland preservation program, and 15% for the city towns and applicable special districts. Um, as you just heard from uh, Badawi, or the external auditors that perform the compliance audit, they're looking at the revenues that come into the county, and then they're looking at the county's expenditures. What the subrecipient compliance audit does is we look at the expenditures that are gone, that go, have left the county, gone to a subrecipient, um, and there are actually subrecipients within each of those categories, um, of the three categories that I mentioned. And then we look at and test the subrecipients receipt of those revenues and then their expenditures as well. And so that's part of what I'll get into. Um, I'd like to note towards the bottom of page three, which we're looking at on the screen, um, when we describe the subrecipients, we're looking at, for the city, towns, and applicable special districts, it's an allocation. That's why on the previous audit, when you were looking at the revenues versus expenditures, the revenues in and the expenditures out were nearly mirrored because it's based on an allocation. Item number two, um, is from the Farmland Preservation Program. That comes from that 20%. And as um, your committee noted, uh, there are um, residual funds within the farmland preservation within the county. And that's because these are matching grants um, that are provided to the subrecipients. Um, and then item number three it are the grants, competitive grants, to nonprofit organizations, and these funds actually come out of the open, the Parks and Open Space program, out of that 65%. Next slide, please. Moving on to the governance structure. Um, the governance structure is uh, your committee members here today. Um, we go into the compliance oversight, and item one, towards the middle of the page, uh, four, if you're following with me, 
um, is the external public audit that was just presented by Badawi. Um, and then item number two is what we're presenting, what I'm presenting here today, which is the, um, the compliance audit from the internal audit division. Um, and we're measuring, or we're testing, excuse me, um, the awards granted to subrecipients and their claims against the expenditure plan for the duration um, of the subrecipient grant program. Next slide, please. Moving on to page five, we have the summary of work, which is section two. We have, we outline what is the audit scope, objective, and approach. Um, again, the, the scope period runs from July 1st, 2021 to June 30th, 2022. And we are verifying that the subrecipient's revenue is maintained <clears throat> separate and apart from other funds and that their expenditures are in accordance with the expenditure plan. Um, and we do this through um, in accordance with the generally accepted government auditing standards and also the Institute of Internal Auditors standards for professional practice and internal auditing. Um, about halfway through the page, we have a table that shows the measure A sales tax revenue received by the county and the disbursements that have been made or the awards made to the subrecipients. Moving on to the audit procedures, we test and assess the adequacy of internal controls in item one. Item two, we verify, as I said, that the funds are maintained in a separate account or special revenue fund. Um, and then item three, at the bottom of page five, we confirm the subrecipient's cash balance at the fiscal year end, so as of June 30th, 2022. Next slide, please. And moving on to page six, the last item that we, um, in our audit procedures, is we test on a sample basis um, expenditures incurred and reported by subrecipients and that they're in line with the expenditure plan. For the audit period um, that we are looking at, July 1st, uh, 2021 to June 30th, 2022, we had no findings that were noted. Next slide, please. Um, page seven is Appendix A, and I wanna point out for Appendix A a few items. Items one through 19 are made up of the city, towns, and applicable special districts. These are part of the allocations. So you can see in the column that designates the amount awarded versus the amount spent, there can be a difference because these agencies are allowed to um, accumulate and hold over the funds um, from year to year until they are ready to spend them. Item number 20 is from the Farmland Preservation Program. And this is a matching grant program, and so these funds also can be accumulated uh, under the measure. And then items 21 to 31 are from the competitive grant program. These are the community grant programs, and so you'll see in the amounts awarded and the amounts spent that they, um, the amounts awarded are the same as the amounts spent due to their um, competitive nature. 
Um, we would like to thank the subrecipients um, for their cooperation for the audit period. We'd also like to thank Parks um, for the administration of the program and for their cooperation um, within the program. And uh, I'm open to any questions. I have one clarifying question about the graphic uh, or the chart on page five. Mm -hmm. So it looks like there's a lot more money coming in than is being spent, but I'm wondering if I'm not reading this right. <clears throat> Are we, you have the measure A revenue and then you have the grants and maybe it's not that all, let's just take the first year, 2013, 14 million it comes in, 2 million goes out. Maybe what we're not showing that I'm misunderstanding is there's another th column that maybe could be down the middle saying this is how much is eligible to be given out in a grant. There is. Thank you. Well, I'm going to note two things, and I apologize if I didn't make this clear from before. Um, when Badawi was presenting on the revenues, the total revenues received, this amount for the Measure A sales tax revenue reflects the amount received um, by the County of Marin Parks as a whole. And then from there, it is split out into the different percentages. So the 65% for the parks and open space, the 20% for the farmland preservation, and then the 15% for the uh, city, towns, and applicable special districts. The pieces that um, the subrecipient audit looks at for the grant period, if you will, or the grants awarded to subrecipients, we're looking at a very small portion that is included in that 65%. Um, those are the competitive grants to the community grant program. We're looking at the expenditures that were given to through the grant program, the matching grant program within the 20%. And then we're looking at the allocations that were made to the city, towns, and special districts. And so when your committee was discussing the balance that remained within the farmland preservation, that's part of the discrepancy that you're seeing here, the part, part of the difference that you're seeing in the amounts here. And then the other piece that you're also not seeing because it's not something that I test because it's tested by Badawi are the expenditures done by the County of Marin through the Parks and Open Space Program. So I'm just looking, focusing in on the subrecipient <laughs> piece. Okay. So that's not, so, so again, for the record, I think it's important to note that it's, it's not that we're only spending a little bit of what's coming in. It's just that you're sort of taking almost a funnel and bringing us to where you're looking. Okay, thank you. Yes. Um, so, you know, Community Service District X is allocated, you know, Y amount. That, those funds then... Um, are, they're not reimbursable grants. They're an allocation, and then they have to set up a separate fund, which is then monitored by you, <laughs> by our internal audit, uh, to uh, track their expenditures. So the funds allocated to whatever account that city or special district sets up, and the funds are deposited there, and then... Uh, you're tracking the expenditures to make sure they're compliant. Is that the way that works? It's very, very close. I think we're probably... Close is good. Cl I, th I think um, the language that I would use is slightly different. 
Um, I'm going to dive into a little bit about the program administration, um, which is done by Kevin Wright. Um, Kevin Wright works with the city, towns, and applicable special districts. So this is focusing in on that allocation piece. And what Kevin does is with the city, towns, and special districts, he creates a work plan um, that is in line with the expenditure plan that was um, approved by voters within the ordinance. And then from there, once the work plan has been approved, then the city, towns, and applicable special districts can spend the funds according to the work plan. And then at the end of the fiscal year, they submit an expenditure report detailing um, the items that were done in accordance with the work plan. And then I come in and review the work plan, the expenditure report, and we actually have an additional confirmation that we request and receive um, stating the amounts that are uh, spent, ver verifying, excuse me, verifying the amounts that are spent. Oh, I apologize. There's one last thing that I forgot to mention. The item four that I, um, in section two of the compliance, of the audit procedures, excuse me, um, talks about the sample selection that we make and the sample selection for the audit, um, for the subrecipient audit uh, selected for the subrecipients selected for the audit, excuse me, um, are designated on the very right-hand column of the Appendix A with an A. That designates the, the entities that we audited their expenditures. So for those entities, I, we take a look at their actual expenditures. We ask for verification, um, receipts, uh, the canceled checks, and so on and so forth. Does that answer your question? Yes, thank you. I have one, I think, final question. Same one I asked Badawi, which is we, you've determined that there's no findings. What is the sort of threshold for findings? Like starting to trigger concern for you. For internal audit, um, we do do a risk assessment similar to Badawi. Um, we follow similar, the same guidelines, if you will. And so um, the risk assessment that we do year over year, we look at uh, what the thresh threshold could be. Um, however, as part of our audit, when we're looking at the individuals to audit, we're also looking at um, who has been audited or not audited in the past. Um, we don't have a particular threshold, so if it's been two years since someone's been audited and they only spend $100, I will audit that $100. Um, I think that's maybe one of the differences between the external auditors and then the internal auditors and, and the jobs that we do with that. Um, I, don't, I can't think of a particular threshold that we have that says we're not going to look at these amounts. We're, if, you, if the individual is selected for audit, then we're, we're testing. We don't test 100%. It's similar to the Badawi audit in that we don't provide 100% assurance. Um, we're uh, providing reasonable assurance. I'm not looking at every single penny uh, within their, their expenditures, but we do take a handful of their expenditures and look at those. But when you look at their expenditures, what deviation from what you're expecting sort of triggers a concern? As I'm reading this, there are no concerns, but like what is a concern? What is it like Badawi, I think, used the 3%, 4% deviation, so they've given Kevin a plan or they've given you a plan. They say this is how we're going to spend. 
naturally things go a little bit differently. At what point do you say, okay, this is no longer according to your plan? That's a fantastic question. Thank you. Um, and something that I forgot to touch on. There are changes that happen throughout the course of the year. I think during COVID, it was very often. Um, in those instances, when they need to make a change to a plan, then they communicate that with Kevin, and he then approves it. So I'm looking for an approved work plan and approved expenditure report from Kevin. And any deviation or any change from the work plan or the expenditure report that I'm looking at, um, you know, I'm, I'm going into that a little bit more. And my expectation from the my perspective, I don't have, um, I think there are some, the only thing that I can think of are there are some, there may be one or two city towns or applicable special districts that will round um, their amounts to whole dollars and that change is the immaterial difference. That's the only item that I haven't reviewed. Sorry, bit? go ahead, sorry. Thank you, that last bit was very helpful. So that deviation from our perspective um, is uh, we review, when, when we look at do substantive test work, meaning we take sample selections, we pick samples, and we look at evidential matter to see whether what the general ledger or what is stated or attested to matches the evidence. And if we see there is an exception, meaning the, the amount that is attested to doesn't match the receipt, then it is an exception. If it is off by what Michelle stated, pennies, because there's rounding differences, then we say it is noted without material exception. It's, it's an immaterial exception, and that's not considered a finding. But if it is a material exception, meaning it's off by like $25 with no reconciling description as to why, then that's something for us to look into and for us to then have a flag to say, now we need to talk about this. And if there is no explanation or if there is no follow-up that, that, that provides us with a sufficient explanation on why there is a difference, then, then that turns into a finding or an internal control deviation that could turn into a larger issue. But when we say we have no findings, that means we, we were able to conduct our procedures without exception. Another question? Okay, go ahead. Uh, the word expenditure plan is, for me, it's sort of a term of art for the, the uh, county. A subrecipient says, I need X amount of money for building, and then they submit a plan, and that would be the expenditure plan, they, a plan which is detailed and said how they're going to spend the money. If that's correct, my understanding, does each subrecipient submit the same form, the same type of plan? Um, to clarify, the expenditure plan that I'm referring to when we're testing for compliance is the expenditure plan that's detailed within the ordinance 3586. That's the expenditure plan. So what is allowable per the expenditure plan is what we're testing for compliance for. With regard to the administrative of the administration of the program, there is the work plan 
that the city, towns, and applicable special districts submit. And then there's the expenditure report where they report back on that. So I just wanted to clarify those two things. And the, the documentation um, or the, the forms that are filled out for the work plan versus the expenditure report are uh, templates. So they're the same for every agency. questions from the committee let's open it up to public comment uh, looks like nobody in the chambers let's move the public comment to online is there anybody online for public comment please chair Catherine there are no speakers in the queue thank you and that concludes that item thank you so much Michelle and Chair, I just want to appreciate. Oh, excuse me. Oh, go ahead. I'm go sorry. Ahead. I just want go to ahead. appreciate Michelle. She works with over 30 different subrecipients with completely different cultures and is incredibly patient and, you know, just like works so well with everyone. So I just want to appreciate her as an auditor um, who can navigate, you know, just like a messy landscape of um, lots of different people and situations. Not an easy job coming in and checking all the books and making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. So thank you. Thanks for that. And Kevin Thanks, does Kevin. a great job uh, working with Administering the, the auditors and, and all the uh, recipients, too, which is a handful at times. It is. At, on the front end, Kevin is amazing at making sure the sub-recipients understand the expectations so that, and that there's continuity in their staff so that when they get to the step of being audited that they are... <laughs> They've done everything correctly. Started playing yeah. right from the beginning, yeah. right? That's the goal. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm realizing looking at the agenda, this is an action item, so we need to make a recommendation uh, to the Board of Supervisors that they accept the report. I move we accept it and recommend it back to the Board of Supervisors. It's moved by Committee Member O'Brien. Do we have a second? Second. Second by <laughs> Committee Member Steinberg. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Uh, anybody against? And seeing none, we've approved that item and made the recommendation to the Board of Supervisors. Thanks so much, Michelle. Okay, so our the next item is uh, the annual report, and um, it's an information item, but I will just quickly go through. I think you all have a copy there, or you should have the annual report, and I just I'll just walk through it together. Um, and, and answer any questions that you may have. Uh, and this is a required part of the, um, of the measure that we produce this annual report each year. So, uh, you know, on the first page, there's a, 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 a picture and a, little, a letter here and just a, at a glance overview of our expenditures. Um, the next page is highlights of uh, various projects and programs that were implemented in the last uh, year. Um, the third page that you have there is really overviewing, that's the meat, this is kind of the meat of the, the um, annual report showing revenue and expenditures and breaking the expenditures down by type. Um, and you can see on the left side there, that graphic shows you know, the overall expenditures of um, not just Measure A, but all of our funding sources put together. Uh, and then actually a little bit about the Measure A, Measure A Oversight Committee. Um, and then uh, there's on the next page, there's a graphic overview of our, our 
three main and four, you know, four budget area, you know, revenue areas, open space, measure A, parks, and CSAs. They're broken down between salaries and services and supplies, um, and then also some of these smaller areas. And then our services and supplies budget, which is basically our project budget, is broken down in that next graph by program. So that's sort of describing, you know, what are the major areas that we are doing uh, project work in. Um, and that's for all those funding sources put together. The next is our the number of employees that we have. And again, those are broken down by type, but they're all those funding sources put together. <clears throat> And then uh, those two blue graphs are just looking at Measure A funded uh, projects is the first one, and then employees is the second one. Um, and then a little information about some of the other Measure A programs. Um, and then uh, the next page uh, is talking in a little bit more detail about Measure A overall, our community grant program, the major uh, funding areas, a little bit about the cities and towns. And then the page after that is actually something new for the annual report. Since this was the end of the first measure, uh, we tried to capture, you know, overall a little bit of the um, the sort of overall picture of sort of what had changed or how the money had been used. Uh, there's actually more information, more sort of data points than this, some, some more vegetation management data points on our website, but this captures, you know, overall expenditures, so a little bit about our vegetation management, a little bit about our road and trail success, a little bit about the farmland preservation, the cities and towns and our community grants. And then on the final page, there's a map. We've had this each year and we just keep adding dots to the map so you can kind of see where uh, some of the highlighted projects are. So this is certainly not an exhaustive list of projects. It's just um, some that we've highlighted uh, each year. And then, of course, the numbered ones there are, are described um, on the top. And, uh, and then a little bit below that about the renewal and re-implementation. Looks fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one thing that I keep thinking about, and I wish I could answer off the top of my head, and I know you could, Max, is how the percentages changed. And maybe oh, that's yeah. a thing we could add to that last paragraph. That would be great. Because I, I think, you know, at least my per my perception in the community was when we went to re-implement this as a county, um, folks were trying to figure out. That was something they were trying to understand is what the percentages were and how maybe they were different than before. Right, and just as a reminder, the main buckets didn't change, right? So it's still 65% parks and open space, 20% farmland, 15% cities and towns. But within those buckets, the, the farmland changed quite a bit. And then um, the, uh, the parks and open space, we have a new sort of emphasis around fire and fuels reduction, 25% of the 65% goes to that. So that was great. Yeah, I think. <laughs> So that, that, um, that is a great point, and I can bring that back to our team. Are there any comments or questions from the committee? Good looking report. Nicely done. Yeah. And uh, let's open it for public comment. Uh, there is nobody in the chamber outside of staff, so we'll go online. Is there any public comment online? Vice Chair Catherine, there are no speakers in the queue. Great. Thank you.
Um, and that was an information item that's excellent. Looks great, Max. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll move on to agenda item uh, number 11, which is, I'll be handling this. This is our search for, <laughs> although I can have staff's help, this is our search for a volunteer on the committee uh, who would like to be involved in participating in the staff audit and report meetings. So we'll be looking to select a volunteer. You can have up to three. Up to three. In a At least one. compliance audit and annual report development meetings. And the, re the participants will report back to the chair on their involvement. And we just, again, up to three, so less than a quorum. Is there anybody other than uh, committee member Steinberg who's already sort of dipped his toe in the water? <laughs> anybody interested? I'll joke. I've got a question. Could you please tell me how many times uh, you want the participants, one of us or all of us, to be here at the Civic Center, is it once a month, once every two months, and um, is it morning or afternoons and that sort of thing? I, I need some details. We got, I'd like to fit it in with my normal schedule. So that's a great question. So this is an opportunity to volunteer with staff, and so we would include you in the scheduling of any meeting at a time that works for you as well as the auditors, et cetera. So you just be included in those conversations. Um, it could include here, we could probably also zoom you in if that was easier at times, because I know you, for instance, travel, I think, all the way from Marshall. Um, and then basically it would be up to you how often you want to participate, but essentially there are always a couple of exit interviews with the auditors um, every year, so that's one meeting for each auditor um, to learn about both the compliance audit level as well as the subrecipient level. Um, that's where you can ask open questions about their audit process and like as, go into it as deeply as you want. Our communications team runs the development of the annual report, and um, in that case, they'd probably uh, organize like a kickoff meeting next year to look at report content and things of that nature. So you could sit down, look at the current year's report, talk about any changes that are going to be made, um, maybe like key focus areas based on the measure eight projects that are completed. So potentially across all that area of work, um, three meetings with an opportunity to participate more deeply if you want to. Good for me. I can, I'd be happy to volunteer for that. Okay. Well, I don't think I can volunteer formally for meetings. I'm always happy to hop on the phone or, you know, chat with staff and give feedback. Um, I think I'm, you know, to the extent that there's sort of two categories here, staff audit, or audit and reporting, I think, you know, if there's opportunities um, sort of in bite-sized chunks for the reporting rather than the auditing, I'd be happy to help with that. Great, thank you. Um, let's open this up for public comment. Um, there's nobody in the chambers. Is there anybody online for public comment? Vice Chair Catherine, there are no speakers in the queue. Great, thank you. And that will conclude item number 11. Thank you. So now we're on item number 12, which is the introduction of new Measure A funded sustainable agricultural, or excuse me, agriculture grant program. Is that you? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. And I think we'll have a little PowerPoint presentation here pop up in just a second. But I just want to say I'm excited that uh, after the last nine years, we rolled out a number of new funding programs when Measure A was passed back in 2012. And then nine years went by, and we um, spent money you know, across the county in a lot of different areas, across the cities and towns, through a lot of different grant programs. 
This is a brand new grant program that I'll talk about today that was created by voters with the passage of Measure A here last June, uh, focused on sustainable agriculture and food systems. So I'm just going to run through these slides really quickly um, to make sure you have plenty of time to ask questions or anything or have any discussion. But Marin County Parks, you know, as a department, is 43 parks, 34 preserves. We manage a lot of parks and open spaces and visitors um, for a lot of different purposes, including wildlife, um, volunteerism, et cetera. Next slide. And of course, Measure A was passed in 2012 and then re-implemented in 2022, and Marin County Parks is the administrator of Measure A. So we're sitting here because basically we receive the funding and then we give it out through all these different grant sources and mechanisms, grant programs and mechanisms. Next slide. We've done a lot of different work that you've heard about. Um, here are some examples, uh, road and trail work, um, our pathways, our fire fuels reduction work. Next slide. Um, a lot of uh, grants out to communities to connect people with parks. So, you know, thousands of people every year have new park experiences because of Measure A. Next slide. And then we do a lot of science, uh, wetlands research, uh, sea level rise work, et cetera. Next slide. As you know, we also give out money through the Farmland Preservation Program and the cities and towns. So we have our own bucket from Marin County Parks and our preserves and parks, and then there are these two other buckets of funding in general. Next slide. Here are the percentages that Max just rattled off that didn't change between the two measures. Next slide. But here's a more descriptive graphic of how um, some changes did occur. So a couple of changes to point out on the left side, the green bands, uh, land acquisition was reduced. We still have our, um, our parks and open space program, but then that was a specific set aside to reduce uh, wildfire risk um, in county parks and open space. So um, that's a specific set aside we have now. Uh, we have maintained the city and town program at 15%, but now there are these three blue bands, and this is in that farmland preservation, or now we call it sustainable agriculture space. So we've still retained those grants that MALT traditionally has applied for to protect farmland. Uh, the resource conservation district uh, area of grants uh, increased from 5% to 20%. Um, so they're actually getting quite a bit more money to do stewardship on our farmland, which is really exciting. Uh, clean water work, fencing, et cetera. And then uh, there's this new band right in the middle, the 30% of that amount, which roughly equates to $800,000 per year that will go toward um, a variety of new grants to this new grant program. Next slide, please. So again, this just describes those three agricultural programs. Next slide. And then this is really the list of different investment areas that this new grant program can allow for and a lot of different exciting opportunities, both on um, farmland as well as in communities uh, in places like East Marin with less farmland, but uh, community food access needs. So you can see up there carbon capture farming practices, environmental restoration, a variety of stewardship type activities, uh, ecosystem services like water quality, uh, and then we get into things like the Healthy Eating Active Living Network program of activities, things like local food supply sustainability and community gardens. Uh, this can support wildlife corridors and habitat improvements on farmland. And then there are some areas of um, both providing public access to farmland and how folks in the community are looking at that as largely around um, gleaning food and creating pipelines of uh, food access on the farms and getting that food then to schools to actually prepare for healthy meals and stuff like that. So. You can kind of see that as gleaning. Um, and then at the very bottom, it's 
increased access uh, to farmland and farming opportunities for low-income communities. And so there's a whole suite of new opportunities of buying, leasing, otherwise making accessible um, agricultural lands so that low-income communities can take advantage of that and learn farming trades, develop agribusiness, and potentially um, you know, farm in a variety of ways. And uh, in that specific area, we've heard a lot about row cropping. And so one area of interest is to work with uh, existing farmers with larger tracts of farmland to explore things like um, creating smaller plots for row cropping for new and upcoming farmers. Next slide. Here's a timeline just to help you understand how this program is being developed. We actually started way back almost uh, immediately after the passage measure A to begin to envision what this grant program would look like. Uh, I'm going to introduce to you a working group uh, in a couple of slides, but basically Starting in August, we started to have stakeholder meetings all over the county with a variety of groups that intersect with these areas to ask them questions about what types of projects that they want to have funded that are currently unfunded. Uh, and there's a lot of work to be done. And now we're taking all that information that they've given us and we're beginning to envision what grant guidelines look like that'll really uh, be the nuts and bolts of how we give out money, how we administer the funding, and also how we ultimately audit the funding. So that information will get reviewed with our um, internal auditors at the DOF um, to help make sure we have good, um, strong standards for fiscal responsibility. So we're in this messy period of, I continue to have you know workshops where we're hearing about project ideas and technical assistance needs and all this stuff. Um, and now we're moving into the creation of grant guidelines, basically, Heading later, like sort of into the summer, we're going to finalize those grant guidelines with the Board of Supervisors and then ultimately start to roll out these grant opportunities, starting, I think, with a combination of um, grants for programs because there are a lot of immediate program opportunities and also grants to invest in things like planning and technical assistance to get those larger projects ready to go um, that the communities want to see happen. Uh, it tends to be that that planning technical assistance funding is the least available. There's always um, capital, or capital investment dollars, but less of the preparation dollars. Um, next slide. So that's the timeline. There's a great working group uh, that crosses a bunch of different food access and agricultural areas that's been working together with me to both help set up these uh, workshops and community conversations as well as weigh in on how to structure this new grant program based on their expertise, as well as their standing project lists. Uh, so I want to appreciate these folks, like the Agricultural Institute of Marin, um, the Cooperative Extension, Ag Weights and Measures, um, just a, a ton of help. And they'll actually continue to participate through the grant program and act as sort of an ongoing committee to help advise us on what grants we give out and how to provide technical assistance, et cetera. Next slide. This is the, the focus of our initial meetings. I mentioned this. Next slide. Uh, we've had a whole bunch of meetings to date. Uh, there are a lot of different food access and agricultural networks. We've met with the Farm Bureau. We've gotten a lot of input from a lot of different folks. It's been really helpful. Next slide. And so um, I won't read through these in detail because uh, I know this has been a long meeting so far, but uh, under each of those categories we talked about that this program can fund, uh, we've had a lot of project ideas submitted, um, a lot of existing project lists, things like pollinator corridors, um, hedgerows, carbon farming plans, as well as implementing those plans. Next slide. Uh, a bunch of ideas for providing low-cost ac um, low access to farmland, um, including uh, things like training for new farmers and uh, business training, things of that sort. Uh, next slide, please. Ideas like commercial kitchens, um, 
installing gardens and low-income apartment complexes. And uh, Marin City specifically has a really good, strong vision um, for food access in general that we could invest in. And then I mentioned gleaning around pu uh, providing public access. Next slide, please. So program structure, uh, it's great. We heard from the community-based organizations and other groups that would be receiving this funding ultimately. Uh, the challenges they currently experience with things like state and federal grants and the opportunity here is that we can maintain the same kind of fiscal accountability, but it's local funding, so we have more leeway to support them by not creating sort of arduous hurdles for them to go through both in the application process as well as in the implementation of the grant. Um, so here are some ideas, and we're basically taking community ideas and rolling them directly into the grant guidelines to make sure that we're not just draining our local nonprofits of their resources by making them jump through hoops. Next slide. More examples, again, you know, these are slides in your packet, so you can read through these. These are all making it into the grant guidelines, and ultimately we'll review the guidelines, um, both with the working group as well as with our community partners to make sure they work for them. Next slide. We've heard tons of technical assistance needs, both in the application process, um, so actually applying for the grants, getting the projects ready, uh, actually using the grant funding, things about um, needing fiscal sponsorship in cases where there are emerging coalitions around a certain idea, but they aren't like a formal nonprofit or anything. A lot of different needs. Um, I think there are actually two slides of technical assistance. You can click to the next slide, please. Um, maybe not, but basically a lot of needs out there. So we're taking two actions at this time. One is to hire a program coordinator. So currently there's actually a job solicitation out to support this program. And one is to make sure that there's really warm-handed support throughout the entire grant-making process so that all of our different CBOs and other partners taking advantage of this new program can have that support uh, when they need it. And then two, there are a lot of... Um, technical assistance needs around getting people both connected with larger matching funding sources as well as implementing complex capital projects and even potentially acquisitions. So the entire working group, which is a lot of different experts in agriculture as well as the program coordinator will work together um, potentially with uh, these organizations and paid consultants to basically ensure that all these top priorities in Marin County within this grant program move forward. So I'm excited to hire that per, um, person. I think the application period ends mid-February. We'll hire them probably mid-March, um, late March. Um, so you get to meet them in November. Uh, we'll make sure they come in here. And we'll give you an update on this program. Uh, we also, again, are working quickly to finalize the grant program guidelines, given all this information, so we can begin to get this money rolling out um, to start with, you know, to, like, the priority programs and uh, low-hanging fruit that uh, partners have teed up for us. So, yeah. Um, hi, Kevin. Hi. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the program coordinator that he he or she would report to you, correct? That's correct. And um, and the whole working group actually, we're going to do a bit of a sharing model. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the participants in the program are are they they have to be qualified nonprofits or they have. I mean, they have to have some kind of an organization that's that's a nonprofit incorporated, correct? Yeah, so similar to the community grant program, there's a list yeah. of different types of incorporated models. You can be JPAs, other things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because sometimes it can get it's not quite easy to work with uh, group, community groups that maybe aren't experienced in accounting, et cetera, to you know, know how to properly 
account for expenditures of funds, et cetera. So you could have great ideas, but can you manage it at the same time is the issue. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess the program coordinator asked could be what are the responsibilities to ensure that program compliance is, is a key uh, in implementing this. Exactly, and one of the things we're baking into the ranking of applications is uh, applicant readiness to deliver on a project. So there'll be a mechanism for the working group who's reviewing these applications to advise the applicant on any steps they need to take before applying for capital funding, for instance, or that they need a fiscal sponsor, and then there'll be some warm support to do that. Experience once or under HUD was managing, um, under Jimmy Carter's program for getting money out to communities like this, and so we had nonprofits that could apply, and I was overseeing that. It's a bit of a challenge. <laughs> totally imagine. Kevin, I appreciate that you're trying to make it easy for folks to get, you know, what's smaller amounts of money that it, it's. Any other committee comments or questions? Yes. Yeah. Um, are we looking to work with the local schools with this process? Because you've got to have, we're talking about human resources here. That's what's going to make it happen, right? And we want young ones because they're going to want to make it happen. All the farmers in this country are over 55 years old and they're retiring. And we need these people in our economy to stay healthy. Okay, and I've always said that the uh, reason the American dollar stays where it is is because the American farmer produces food. And you can't eat oil. Okay? That's my comment. Thank you. You know, Dan, one conceptual idea that I really liked was to start a program that brings young farmers in early before existing farmers retire or just can't farm anymore and develop those relationships so that they're farming together. Early. Have you ever heard of the FFA? Yeah. Future Farmers of America, probably up, still up in Sonoma County. You know, there's outside. University of California, Davis, excellent resource, best in the world as far as I'm concerned. So, um, you know, those are people that you can talk to and could provide you with insights and everything. And I'd be glad to have coffee with you, Kevin, and we can just, this is allowed under the Brown Act, you know, to, to talk about this because I have some experiences with it and that I certainly don't want the job. Okay, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do see that there needs to be a, an overall structure that we need to have for the program for an end result. And it's not just having somebody apply for grants because that's kind of a approach and it doesn't, it's never worked. It's baby steps. You've got to take little steps to get where you want to go. Well, that sounds excellent. That way if you make a mistake, you haven't got that far back to start over again. All right. Let's turn it to public comment. Uh, any public comment in the chamber? I don't see any. Let's go online. Any public comment online? Vice Chair Catherine, there are no speakers in the queue. Great. Thank you very much. That concludes the uh, item number 12, the Sustainable Agriculture Grant Program. Thanks, Kevin. On to item number 13, the update on the budget development process. All right, uh, I will take this one. Uh, and first, I, congratulations and thank you for your patience on making it through a pretty long meeting. So um, 
I'll be brief. Uh, I'm Chris Chamberlain. I'm the assistant director with the department. Um, and uh, I just want to provide you, your committee with an overview and a general update of our annual budget development process. Uh, and I, I like to think about our budget development process much like the painting of the Golden Gate Bridge, right? It, you know, once you get to one end, you just come right back and start over and keep going. Uh, and as soon as we adopt our annual budget, we're immediately starting conversations with community groups, with our commissioners, um, with our partners in local, the local fire jurisdictions and the other, uh, our one TAM partners. Uh, and these, these meetings are happening formally, they're happening informally. Um, our staff are gathering ideas you know, throughout the course of a, of, of a year um, and ideas are, all, are often being generated and then added to a list and then you know, once we start to formalize the development process, typically uh, in the fall we start having these conversations uh, a bit more formally. Uh, our county administrator's office uh, delivers budget instructions to the entire county. Um, to all 22 departments, uh, usually in late November, early December. And in those instructions, it talks about the anticipated uh, financial forecast, so expected increases or decreases in property taxes, sales taxes, expected increases um, to labor costs based on bargaining agreements, et cetera. Um, and once, you know, and then once we've received those instructions, we internally, um, assign our staff to, um, we, we actually put a call out to our, our entire department for folks who are interested in working in small groups, focusing on specific program areas of our budget to um, come up with a proposed uh, suite of work uh, to comprise that program. And then um, each of those work groups then, you know, puts it into the main uh, hopper for discussion. And then our management team uh, comes together uh, and then kind of fine-tunes things a little bit based on any revisions or any additional feedback from our commission. Uh, oftentimes, or we do on an annual basis, just recently at our, June, our January commission meeting, uh, we've presented a draft uh, vegetation management work plan for next uh, fiscal year we re to receive some feedback. We'll be coming back to the commission in March for additional conversation around the vegetation management program, and we'll be looking to that commission for... Um, a motion to include that proposal, that proposed work plan into our annual budget. Uh, and the same goes with our road and trail suite of, of work that we're looking at proposing. Um, so, you know, usually this time of year and kind of where we're at is having those more refined conversations with the commission. Really, um, just recently, this, is, this week, we had our kind of our conversation with our management team to kind of really fine-tune things and our, um, our uh, admin services manager, budget manager, just began inputting uh, our proposed data into the county's financial system. So then we'll be back to the Parks and Open Space Commission in May uh, to present a draft look at that budget uh, and receive any final feedback. And then we'll be going to the Board of Supervisors in uh, June for a budget hearing and formal adoption. So. You know, like I said, uh, when we received the instructions this year from the um, county administrator's office, looking specifically at Measure A, obviously being the quarter cent sales tax, uh, we had anticipated roughly $16 million um, in a full year this current year. Obviously, as you heard previously, this the new sales tax measure didn't start collecting revenue until October 1st of 2022. 
So the new revenue this in this current year budget was expected to be around $12 million. Um, next year, we're looking at roughly 3% increase. It's a, a modest increase, depending on kind of how things are going with the economy. Um, that's what we're being instructed to, to you know, manage our baselines with is a 3% increase. And that's going to be, you know, consistent also with the labor contracts and increase in cost for labor is around that same 3%. So um, we're optimistic. We, you know, we do have some, some fund balance that we expect to be able to program in and really have an aggressive suite of uh, potential projects to uh, push forward to the Board of Supervisors for their approval uh, this June. So, um, you know, a, a big part of our, our focus the last couple of months uh, has been staffing back up since the measure has passed. Um, and we, uh, for the first time in a long time, are, from a staffing perspective, are nearing 100% staffing. We're, I want to say we're, I, I think we're three positions shy of being 100%, which is, um, you know, amazing to me because I just, I don't remember a day where we've been that high. So um, we're staffed up and we're ready to go and we're ready to propose an aggressive work plan uh, so we can go out and meet some of those um, community expectations and, you know, some of those wish list items that we've really been trying to get to. So um, with that, I, I know it's a brief kind of just a conversation about the, our process, and I want to just give you all an update. Happy to uh, field any questions or answer any questions that I can about that uh, or, or anything related. Are there any questions or comments from the committee? Yes. Thank you, Thank you very much. What I'd like to get is, um, from time to time, some notice of where you're coming, where you're, how you're uh, going with your project. In other words, if there are some timelines, you know, just to be alerted that this, this is happening at this time and to expect this at that time, is that a reasonable... Uh, as far as, like, project development and implementation on specific projects, are you talking about... The Overall, I'm just wondering uh, how this committee, we can be informed as to, um, rather than being dumped with a decision at the end, just yeah. know that, yes, yeah, we've been doing this and this and this, and it's going along well. Yeah, so a couple of things. One, I, th I think it's kind of the challenge of this committee being rearview mirror-focused, if you will. Um, but I think I, I would encourage you all, and I certainly know um, Committee Member O'Brien and committee member Kennings, who's not here today, both being part of the Parks and Open Space Commission, I would encourage you all to certainly monitor our Parks and Open Space agenda items as they come out. Attend the meetings if you can. Uh, I would say certainly the, the main meeting as far as reviewing and hearing about the proposed budget is, is a great opportunity to kind of engage at that level. But also uh, on, our county web, on our county parks website, we've got uh, opportunities to sign up for updates. So if there's project-specific updates that you're interested in, you can sign up, and we often send out updates on those, whether it be road and trail, vegetation management, et cetera. So I think that there's ample opportunities there. And if there's something beyond that that you're interested in, just reach out and let us know so that we can uh, make note of it and make sure that we're getting you all the information that you need. Open it for public comment. Uh, nobody in the chambers will go online. Is there anybody online for public comment? Question, Catherine. There are no speakers in the queue. Great. Thank you. And that concludes item number 13. Thank you so much, Chris. And number 14 is the review of the next meeting. Um, I think I could summarize that by saying it's happening on November 8th at 
2.30 at, sorry, November 8th at 2 o'clock at this location in the Board of Supervisors Chambers, and also online. Uh, I'm not sure about the online in November. I think that there's some pending we'll change in legislation uh, that may Im impact this on whether or not we're able to continue the online format. Stay tuned. They'll, we'll keep you all posted if there is change. That's, thank you for that because that's a good preview for, I think, our public participation yeah, in all sorts absolutely. of government issues. Okay, well, great. It will be in, this, in these chambers on November 8th at 2 p.m. And the meeting's adjourned. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, great yeah, job. Good job, Vice Chair.